Two mice fell into a bucket of cream. Here's two guys that fell into a radio station to talk about movies on Phoenix FM. So can we welcome Mr. Mark Searby to the studio? Hello, sir. How are you? I'm well, thanks, Spencer. Are you doing well? Yeah, not bad, thanks. Not bad at all. So what have we got today? What do you like to wait us? Well, you know... I keep banging this drum of we are in award season. We're in award season. We're getting these awards type movies now. Um, so let's start with a movie that I think possibly is going to be nominated for a lot of awards come whenever the awards are, what, February, March, April, beyond Yeah, around that time, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So this is in cinemas now. It's a movie called Saltburn. And it's about a student at Oxford University who finds himself drawn into the world of a charming and aristocratic classmate who invites him to his eccentric family's sprawling estate for a summer never to be forgotten. Now, I didn't know this until the other week when I went up to Manchester, is that there actually is a place called Saltburn in the UK. There is, because funny enough, I was in Manchester a couple of weeks ago, wasn't I? And, I? and I, when I was up there, I saw a sign for it while I was about. It, it, it just made me remember, yeah. Yeah. Um, whether Saltburn is filmed in Saltburn, I don't know. That's the thing. They're keeping it quite quiet. The reason they're keeping it quite quiet is because they don't want people going to this lavish estate. I understand that. Now, this is the new movie from writer-director Emerald Fennell, who previously made A Promising Young Woman. A couple of years ago, um, I'm trying to think, yeah, probably 2020, it came out 2021, maybe something like that. And that was a very good movie. This one is like a mix of Bride's Head Revisited, The Talented Mr. Ripley, Cruel Intentions, and American Psycho, to name a few. It's a lavish movie. It's an opulent movie as well, but it's also down and dirty and filthy and very, very, very racy. It is... An astounding piece of work. It's it's also a confrontational piece of work as well. And that I think that's why I loved it so much, is that it just doesn't take any prisoners when it comes to showing some of the, let's say, seedier elements of the storyline. I have to say, um, without casting any sort of aspersion at all on our northern friends, yeah. having been in that area, you mentioned Brideshead, you mentioned Downton. They aren't the sort of properties that I saw in those locations. <laughs> right. Okay. Uh, it's far more built up and cosmopolitan than that. Right. Well, this one is not. Um, what we see, actually, it's interesting you bring that up because this is very much on this huge estate, this massive estate, lavish and just, you know, the type of thing where you go, wow, that's an estate. You know, rich people must live there. But initially what we see is Oliver, who is this, quiet almost nerdy guy he's struggling to fit in at oxford but he befriends the outgoing and truth be told devilish devilishly handsome felix and he suddenly finds oliver starts to find an element of his persona that he never really knew he had and it's fun to watch them lark about while at oxford they're playing pranks getting drunk trying to chat up girls it's kind of fun but the film really kicks properly into gear when they go to Felix's family estate. And there the film switches to this cat and mouse game of, I'm going to say epic proportions, but this is an unofficial cat and mouse game, but it's got some very serious consequences. And what's great about this entire film is that you never know what's going to happen. It is constantly changing tack or spinning off in another direction. It's a wild ride, but it's a... 
here's the thing. It's a ride that I think some people will want to get off of. In the screening I saw it at, and it was full. It was completely full. It was about 500 people. Um, th there's a scene in it. Certain scene. I'm not going to mention what this scene is because it would be a spoiler. People walked out. Some people walked out at this scene. Oh, wow. Yeah. The rest of the audience was split into two camps. They either laughed nervously or made a vomiting noise. What? What? As he was it um, funny, shocking, or disturbing, shocking? I it sits somewhere in between both. I think it depends on how you view the scene and also what your disposition is as well. I'm not going to say what this scene is, but I okay. will say this. I thought it was both hilarious and grotesque. And I okay. think, yeah, I think that's, maybe that says something about me, Spencer. I don't know, whatever, you know, I mean, that's the thing. But I think that's why I love this film, because it's pushing boundaries as to what we find acceptable from the people we're seeing on the screen. You know, these, the, the, those people are a different breed of characters. And as is it so a scene, is, sorry to interrupt, mm, is it oh. a scene that feels that it fits in naturally or do they feel they fitted it in for shock value? It, <laughs> that's a good question. Um, I'm going to say initially it's shock value. Okay. But the more the film rolls on, you realise it's not. Yeah, it's a natural place, yeah. It's Yeah, it's there. That's the thing. So we've, we've got this movie that's basically just saying, what, are these people eccentric? We don't know. Or, uh, you know, or do we say what they're doing is right or wrong? I'm not really sure. That's the beauty of the film. It constantly makes you question not just the characters, but yourself as well as to what you would feel in that situation, what you would feel if you were Oliver, what you would feel if you were Felix or anything else like that. There's loads of things here. And the further the storyline plays out, the further Oliver finds himself in strange situations that he has to adapt to. And I think this isn't a question of him becoming like his friend Felix, it's more of him learning what these rich people are truly like. But at the same time, Oliver is dealing with some sexual feelings that he's never had to deal with before. So there is, in here, in this strange movie, there is a sort of coming-of-age story wrapped up in it. There's also some harrowing moments in there as well, which deal with that. But once again, I'm not going to spoil those because you need to witness them for yourself. It's a fish-out-of-water story. That's the most basic I can tell you, Spencer. It's a fish-out-of-water story. But then throw in some gore, throw in some sex, throw in some lust, throw in some hedonism, throw in some eccentricity, some friendship, some loneliness, some tragedy, and suddenly you have a film that is provocative, unapologetically provocative and... As but I said, you don't mind that, though, do you? you don't I, I, I don't, but this is what you I'm like saying. That, yeah. I, I do. I like a movie that's pushing and challenging as well at times. As I said, some people didn't. The people who I saw walk out. They did not. And I understand that to a certain degree. I get it. But for me, I came away going, that's an astounding piece of work. It's bold. It's brave. It's everything I like seeing in filmmaking in terms of a writer-director going, I'm making this movie. Nobody's getting in the way of it. The acting is superb. Barry Kehoe, who, you know, me and you have spoken off-air about him many times, and we've said, fantastic actor. Um, if he doesn't win 
an Oscar in the next five years, then I think I might just eat a shoe or something. Amazing actor. Uh, Jacob Elordi as well in here. Richard E. Grant's in here as well. Um, it's, it's a really good cast, but it's the story. It's the story that takes you everywhere. So I, I saw this movie last month, about a month ago, and I still can't stop thinking about certain scenes in it. It's sticking in my mind for good reasons, certainly. And for that, not only do I love it, I think it's one of the best movies I've seen this year. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. But as I said, Spencer, there's going to be people who turn around and go, it's one of the worst movies of the year. And I get it. But that's what that's what filmmaking is. That's what it, filmmaking is, isn't it? It's you're always going to get somebody who, who likes it and somebody who hates it. So yeah, and that's absolutely. What, that's absolutely. what the movies are. Yeah. Well, it is. Yeah, absolutely. Look, and it's only my opinion. You know, that's the beauty of film criticism. Is it is about opinions. Um, but man, this movie, wow, just I came away and just I was just thinking, I'm I don't know of a better British movie over the past couple of years, really. As I said, bold, brave filmmaking, provocative. Loved it for it. Ringing endorsement. Brilliant stuff. All right, what's next on the list? So out now on Blu-ray and DVD, well, reissued on uh, for the first time, actually, on Blu-ray and DVD. Uh, and then it's going to be in cinemas next weekend as well. We've got Santa Claus, the movie. Now, me and you, Spencer, are around the same age. So we kind of remember this, don't we, in that... For me, I remember this being on TV every Christmas, every Christmas when I was young. I, I actually think it was on on TV last year. Was it? Yes, I think it was on, on one of the, the streaming movie channels. I don't think it was on like the terrestrial TV, but I think it was on. I, I remember seeing it because um, it's one of those films when it's on, I watch it. And, right. and even though I, I, I've watched it and I've seen it and I know what happened. Da, 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 and the, but there are certain Christmas films. That, that you just do watch, don't you? It's yeah. just kind of like, it's even though they might not be very good or, you know, God forbid, might be slightly overrated <laughs> and overrated, yeah. meaning of life, everyone. Um, so I'm just, it's just kind of... Um, it's always been there, basically, yeah. for, our, for, for us. Yeah, I think for our generation, it's always been there. But I, I felt like maybe over time it's fallen away maybe been forgotten about a little bit it's nice to hear that it's still being played on tv certainly now it's back it's been scrubbed up it's in 4k it's a re-release on blu-ray as i said it's also going to be in 4k in the cinemas as well for anybody who doesn't know this movie it's about santa claus obviously who is put in jeopardy when an unscrupulous toy manufacturer attempts to take over christmas the thing with this movie that i think most people who know this movie know what I'm talking about will remember is the one that the fact that Dudley Moore's in it. That's it. Do I, I see? I, I although I've watched, I watch it all the time. I'm trying to remember, and I'm trying to. Try, was this one? Was Burgess Meredith in this film? Yeah, and it was one of his final films, wasn't it? Uh, that, oh, that's a good question. I'm not too sure, but yeah, it, I think it, yeah, it might have been interesting. But yeah, it, I mean, it's an interesting cast. There are other people in there as well that's the thing like john lithgow plays the the uh, nasty toy manufacturer in here as well but i think most people remember it for dudley moore who plays this wayward elf called patch and he's scooped up by this toy manufacturer i think dudley moore is enjoyable even if 
the film itself is a bit lightweight for his talents, considering what mm-hmm. we know here in the UK of how good Dudley Moore was. Mm-hmm. But he makes the whole film a bit more fun with his silly antics. You know, I love the fact that this is a traditional Santa Claus in there. You know, none of that um, updated to the 80s type stuff. Because, you know, this came out in the early 80s, but it, it doesn't feel like they've gone, right, we need to soup it up into the 80s or anything else like that. It's a classic Santa. It's how Santa, how many people think Santa should look. And Mrs. Claus as well. And I like the fact that the film has Santa helping kids who are trying to rescue Patch while also trying to be nice to each other. It's just nice, easygoing. It's one of those movies you sink into. It, you know, look, the, the the toy manufacturer played by John Lithgow, who clearly is having an absolute blast in this because he just snarls and barks at everybody because he's just about the money. And who is a like, superb actor, by the way. Superb, superb actor. actor, absolutely. Yep. Even in this... You know, it's not stretching him as an actor, even back then, but he's really good in this. But I like everybody in it. I, I just think it's I think it's a nice movie. However, what I took away most from this film is that it does have a traditional Christmas movie storyline about helping others and how you can use your own abilities, whether you're rich or poor, to help others who are in need of something at Christmas time. Yes, look. There's a few subplots that are a bit stuffed and it sort of doesn't really work with the subplots. It tries to wiggle its way out of the things. And then there's a a sort of weird big loop-de-loop finale that I'm kind of like, whatever. But the traditional Christmas storyline is here. That's the beauty of this movie. And I keep using that word, traditional. And that's what I think. I, I think it is one of those movies that because we're so used to I don't want to say CGI in Christmas movies because that would be wrong, but, you know, all singing, all dancing, it's pow, it's pizzazz, it's all of this, and it's all that. Movies like this, traditional movies... It takes the heart out of it, doesn't it? Some of the more modern ones, yeah. You're absolutely right. I I, I think we lose a bit of that. So watching this again, after many years, I I haven't seen this for many years, maybe 10 years, maybe more. I just came away going, I like this. It's nice. It's easy. You know, it's, it's like a warm blanket on a cold Christmas day to me. Is that what you think as well? It is. And and also, I'm just racking my brains here because I say I haven't seen it. I didn't probably watch it last year. But for memory, any film that casts, and I might be wrong here, but I'm pretty sure she played Daisy in Keeping Up Appearances as Mrs. Santa. Was it uh, Judy Cornwell? Is it Judy Cornwell? No, I'm not sure on that one. I'll bow to your knowledge. Yeah, I'm pretty sure she played Daisy, the, 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 frump, the frumpy sister and keeping up appearances on TV. <laughs> and any film that translates from that to that has got my vote. It really has. So, no, you're right. It, it's a perfect, it's what I call um, a, a Saturday afternoon film. So when it's really yeah. cold out and you just, you put the lights on the tree lights and you watch it and it just makes you feel like, yep, yeah, Christmas is coming. Do you know yeah. what I mean? It's, it's just one of those films. It is, yeah. The other thing I want to mention as well is... Uh, the cinematography and the sets, you know, in a CGI heavy world that we now live in, it's nice to see a film that uses genuine cinematography and genuine sets for a lot of the film, a lot of the scenes. You know, a lot of the backgrounds are of skylines from New York, and that looks lovely. The sets inside the elves workshop were clearly constructed right down to the small details. And I just thought they were fantastic. I love the fact that you get to see all of the machines working. I enjoyed the imagery of how they showed Santa's sleigh when it flew. Yes, it looks dated. 
Okay, fine. But at the same time, I go back to that word again, Spencer, traditional. And that's what I like about it. I, you know, you could do a lot worse than sticking this movie on this weekend or, or, or on the lead up to Christmas or going to see it in the cinema because it's just a delight. It really is. You know, the fact that you watch it every year, I think, tells you the fact that it's still got a, a place in everybody's heart. Well, you, you know why as well? Because you say about the detail, it's like, you know, if, if you remember, if you was a kid and you was a kid that was fortunate to go to a grotto, sometimes yeah. looking back on it now, some grottos were amazing and some grottos were some, somebody decided to shove a bit of tinsel on a light fitting and put a man <laughs> in, a little, in a little fitting suit. Yeah, yeah. And said, oh, that's a grotto. But, and that film is, you know, that film is, um, it's, it's like the Hamleys of, of you know, it, it, it's it's rich in its sense of its detail oh, and its kind yes. and its colour and, and its depth and it makes you feel it is Christmas. Oh, you make a really good point there. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's the Hamleys Christmas grotto of uh, of Christmas movies, isn't it? Yes, it is. It is, and I just um, I think it's just a great film. It really is, and as I said, there are. There are some Christmas films that I find slightly overrated, but this for me is a, is a classic one and I really like it. I really mm. do. So brilliant stuff. Thank you. So what's last on the list today? So out now on DVD and Blu-ray is Gran Turismo. Now this... <laughs> polar opposite. <laughs> polar opposites, absolutely. Well, you know, I mean, look, in, um, in Santa Claus the movie, they're on the sleigh and it's going pretty quick. It's not going as quick as the cars in Gran Turismo, though. True, yeah. Um, yeah, but the thing with this movie, so obviously you're aware of Gran Turismo, the, the computer game. Yes. Yeah, me too. I've never played it. I, I think it came out after I'd stopped playing uh, um, console games, basically. So... What I didn't know this story behind it, which is basically uh, Jan Mardenborough plays the computer game Gran Turismo. He makes it through to the world finals of the game. And because of that, he's given a shot at competing in real life race cars. So that's the true story that somebody was so good at a computer game, they gave him a shot at racing in the real Le Mans 24 hours. Crazy, that's, isn't it? That's incredible. Yeah. Really. You know, and that's the thing. It, it, it just it kind of boggled my mind when I was reading about it. I'm like, wow, okay. The thing with that is, that sounds amazing. And I imagine making a documentary about it would be brilliant. Making a feature film about it, that's where it's a tough ask because the central storyline is really interesting here, the filmmakers throw in some uninteresting and unengaging subplots. One about his dad not understanding online gaming and, the, and you know, all the riches that it can bring. And I'm thinking, no, you know, look, I think we all know by this point that actually online game was very popular. Mm. And I think, you know, his dad probably was not that stupid. He would have done research on it. So I, that yep. didn't really work. I don't think that's a good subplot. Yeah, you know, instead he tells his son, you need to get a job on the trains like I've got a job on the trains. You know, so it's kind of like that. Look, what you're doing, this newfangled thing doesn't work. Get a proper job type thing. I get what the filmmakers were trying to do to, to show that the older gener generation don't believe this type of gaming can be any good when obviously the reality is complete opposite. But I just think it's really poorly handled here. And his dad comes across as a huge damp squib of a character 
maybe he's meant to be, but I'm just thinking, I don't think this is how it would play out that, that much. There is also a subplot about the motorsport executive who's trying to get sponsorship, etc., for for Mardenborough. He's a little bit too greedy. You know, the storyline, it's a feel-good movie. But with this, I'm I'm just feeling like it it's almost pardon the the Christmas pun here, it's a bit Scrooge-like. It doesn't need to be there. And when it comes up, I just think, oh, I'm not sure on this. And I, I, I don't like it. It doesn't work really. It doesn't fit into the rest of the movie. Those aside, this is a really entertaining movie. The whole story about Maldenborough going from bedroom to Le Mans via gaming is such a rush to watch. And the way that the filmmakers have, have made it, is it's just got a lot of adrenaline pushing through it. It's amping up each race. And each gaming session, before he actually goes into the car, each gaming session, he, they, they superimpose a car around him. So he's racing it, sat in a you know a, a gamer chair on a big screen. But then they superimpose this car around him, and it's pretty cool. I'm like, I like that. That's a cool idea. There's some excellent cinematography of the actual races as well. I'm a big fan of putting a camera on the corner of the bonnet and letting the car's speed and turning show the relentless energy that happens at these events. Like that a lot. That um, that had been done in Ford versus Ferrari, and I thought that's very good, and they do it here as well. The relationship between Mardenborough and the failed race car driver, who turns out to be like the, the guy who's sort of coaching him, is really sweet. It's a surrogate father-son storyline that I think stays just the right side of melodrama, just the right side of cringy as well. I like the fact in there, you know, that's a nice story. So Watching this, this, you know, this movie really caught me off guard because I was thinking, okay, right, yeah, what, what are they really going to do? But it's a real underdog story that I think will have some hairs on the back of your neck standing on end. You're going to cheer for every Mardenborough win and you're just going to come away. You know, it's a slightly unconventional feel-good movie, but why not? Feel-good movies, when they work, work really rarely Absolutely. well. Absolutely. Yeah, and, 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 and does it feel natural? Does it feel quite kind of quite genuine? The the it's difficult to answer that actually, Spencer, because it's dealing with a computer game, which obviously is not real world, but then it's throwing exactly, it over yeah. into the real world. So it's kind of throwing you off a little bit in that you go, Well, there's a disconnect here because I don't play the game, so I don't really understand it. But then when he gets in the car, yes, we don't drive Le Mans cars, but we understand how you know, how much danger there is with those sorts of things. So does it feel real? Um, sometimes yes, sometimes no, but I think that's to do with the playing of the computer games. And uh, But I say it in a positive way in that you go, okay, I can see that he's doing well. I don't feel at one with him because I've never played the game. But then later on, you're going, I really hope he wins these races. He deserves it. You know, that's the thing. So I came away going, yeah, enjoyed that. It's a lot of fun. It's really interesting. It's a really good, feel-good movie that, as I said, kind of caught me off guard. I was not expecting to like this movie. I was expecting to go, oh, here we go. It's another poor um, computer game adaptation. But they've tw they've twisted this in a really good way. 
Yeah, and you don't mind it, do you? When, when they kind of do twist things and change things, providing it, again, it feels organic and feels quite natural, yep. you don't mind it, do you? That's the thing. It's when they do it, again, for seeking the ratings or kind of seeking some sort of kind of to build some excitement is, is when it feels kind of like tainted, really. When it feels clunky, when you can yeah. almost hear the change, where you go clunk and you go, oh, dear. But because of how Mardenborough moves effortlessly from computer game to Le Mans, it doesn't feel clunky. I think, you know, it, if it hadn't have had its time taken with those moments, it could have just, upon the pun here, it could have changed gears really badly. You know, it could have gone to first into third or something. It had been terrible. Mm. But actually, it works nicely here. Other A side point here is that um, in the movie, the real Jan Mardenborough did the stunts he did the racing in the game in the film yeah see it's kind of it, it, if you would say I, one of those sorry i've kind of got my words out here when you if you were to put this on paper you would think what the hell yeah and yeah you would yeah. you would think what yeah you and would. then yeah and just all of this yeah it's just amazing it's uh what, what would he say art imitating life but then also maybe imitating a bit more life because Maldenborough was the actual stunt guy in the movie, which I yeah, liked about it. Imitating I, a bit more of art as well. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah you know. that's the thing. But yeah, as you yeah. say, you know, you read it on paper and you think, oh, I don't know how this is going to play out. The, the filmmakers have crafted a really good movie here out of what could have been something really disastrous. But actually, it's a good, fun flick. Do you know, we've had three recommendations today. That's really good. Good week. Good week. Very good week. Very good week. So thank you, sir. Appreciate that for today. And um, what have we got lined up for next week? So next week, we are going to be talking about the new Ridley Scott movie about Napoleon starring oh. Joaquin Phoenix. So that's a that's going to well, be that's an a epic. Car, that's a casting. It is absolutely. It's an epic. It's uh, two okay. and three quarter hours, I think. So we will be talking about that. We will also be talking about uh, a British movie called Girl, which is the uh, directorial debut of a, a, a new up and coming filmmaker. So we'll be talking about that. And then, if you subscribe to the podcast, we've got a new Nicolas Cage movie. Now I know Nicolas Cage makes you know ten movies every month or something. But this one's called The Retirement Plan, and Nicholas Pla Nicholas Cage plays somebody who's retired. I can't believe oh, it. No. We were just discussing Nicholas Cage, weren't we, as Superman literally yes. three weeks ago? <laughs> yeah. Now he's thinking he's retiring. He's got, I tell you what, though, in this movie, he's got a good choice of Hawaiian shirts. Big, big praise for him for the Hawaiian shirt choices in this movie. One of the few men you can pull off an Hawaiian shirt. With <laughs> yeah. Very true. Very true. Him and him and Barry from EastEnders. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you, mate. Appreciate that today. So looking forward to next week. And um, listen, you have yourself a good week. I will do. You too. You take care. Now remember, you're only supposed to listen to Phoenix FM if you want film reviews. <laughs>